You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. So what do diets, exercise programs, marriages, and Christians have in common? Well, it's real easy and fun at the beginning, but it's not so easy to stay long. You know, Eugene Peterson, in his book, A A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, writes this. He says that one aspect of the world that he finds damaging to Christians is this thinking that something that is worth getting is easy to obtain and you can do it quickly. He said, one attention, one of the things that has happened with us is that our attention spans have been kind of shortened because of 30 second commercials and 30 page abridgments. You see, it's not difficult to get someone to believe in this world, but it is very difficult to keep them in the faith. It's not, there's millions of people that come to Christ every year. But it's hard to find them as true and great disciples. You see, the Christian life is not a hundred yard dash, it's a marathon. It is a long journey in the same direction. You see, starting well is easy, but finishing is difficult. You know, I call this message full circle. Because in this uh, first, in the first Timothy, in this good fight, uh, fight the good fight uh, that we've been going through, Timothy and Paul have been, Paul has written to Timothy. And in the beginning of it, he says to Timothy a few things. And here we are in chapter six. And he's saying some of the same things to Timothy. And you see, now Michelle and I have been married for 36 years. But when we started dating, it's been almost 40 years ago. Now, if you go into my attic in my house, you'll find a box. And in that box are letters and cards and mementos from those early days. Now, when I was at the University of Cincinnati and Michelle was uh, about an hour and a half away and she would send me those letters, I would often read those letters and reread those letters. And then when I went to basic training and she was in New York about, I don't even know how far that is away, but it's pretty far away. And the same thing, I would get these letters in basic training and I would read them and reread them again and again. It was my best way of having a connection with this beautiful young lady that was so far away. I liken this letter that Timothy got from Paul kind of like those letters I received from Michelle. Paul, I believe that Timothy would take these letters written from Paul and he would reread them and read them. Why? Because he wanted to remember, he wanted to learn, he wanted to hear how Paul was very proud of him. And so we're now in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. And in these verses, I believe there are a few things, uh, some of the big takeaways from these I want to share with you today. And that is this. It is what a man of God is marked by, a man or a woman of God. A man of God is marked by what he runs from, what he runs to, what he fights for, and what he is faithful to. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 
11 and see what Paul was telling Timothy. He says this, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. First, let me say this. I believe that Paul is reminding Timothy, just like he did in chapter 1, who he is. He starts out by saying, but you, man of God. Now, this is an interesting uh, phrase that he uses with Timothy. Why? Because in the Old Testament, this term, man of God, was used first for Moses. And then we see it used for Elisha and Elijah, Samson, David. It was meant and it was used 70 times in the Old Testament for men who would speak for God. But you know how many times this phrase is used in the New Testament? It's used exactly two times. Both of those as Paul is talking to Timothy. He's telling Timothy, you are a man of God in the same cloth of these great men of faith that we see in the Old Testament. And because you are this man of God, you have to act in a certain way. You need to do it in a certain way. And so we see him say that. You know what? I remember uh, watching when the Twin Towers were hit in New York City uh, at 9-11. And I remember watching one of the news reports as a, a reporter and his cameraman were giving a report that was going on. And all of a sudden, there was just this group of people that come running past the reporter and the cameraman. And as they ran past, they didn't say anything, they just ran past. And the next thing you know, the reporter and the cameraman got into the group with those who are running and just took off and was running with them. Now, a little ways down the street, they stopped running and they looked and they said, well, we don't know why they're running, but we felt like it was a good idea to do it also. You see, they didn't know what they were running from, but they needed to run. And so that's one of the things that we, that, that, that Paul says to Timothy here is that you need to run from things that you shouldn't. A man of God is marked by what he runs from, right? And so Paul's saying, run from all these things that you need to stay away from. You know, uh, Pastor Curtis talked about that last week and, and his, uh, that, the love of money and some of the different things. And so Paul is saying, look, I've already talked to you about that. You need to run from the things of this world. You need to run from the love of money. You need to run from lust. You need to run for those things that are going to damage you as a man of God. So a man of God is marked by what he runs from, but he is also marked by what he runs to. And so the verb that's used here, just like it is when he's told to run from, is, is a present tense verb. It's a continuous action. And, it, it, and he says to, to run from, but he wants you to run to. And so he then begins to talk to him about what he needs to run to. And so this is what Proverbs 59 says. He says this, the Lord loves them that pursue righteousness, not success, not fame, not a big church, uh, not popularity, not esteem. But he says the Lord loves those that pursue righteousness. And so Paul writes to Timothy and he gives him these six words that he needs to run to. And that is this righteousness, godliness, faith love, endurance, 
and gentleness. Well, you know what righteousness is? Righteousness is doing right on the outside, right? And then godliness is doing what's right on the inside. So as you pursue God on the inside and you do righteousness and godliness, then all the other things begin to fall in place in your life. You begin to act right. You begin to do things right. You begin to do what God has called you to do. And then he says this, pursue faith. Well, faith is what? Faith is means the confident trust that God is in everything. You literally put everything in your life, your ministry, everything about yourself in God's hands and you trust him. You live under his glorious, beneficent grace and you believe that he has the best for you. Then he says you pursue love. Well, what is that? Well, that's selfishness, right? That's sacrifice. Uh, so you, 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 you give up what you want for other people. You love, you pursue love, right? And so then he says this, he says uh, that you will, uh, you're characterized by endurance. Well, what is that? Endurance is, is in trial and difficulty, in trouble, because Paul knew that Timothy was going to go through some things in the future. And so he was trying to get him to understand that. And then he said, in gentleness, well, it's meekness or humility. We know that God is close to those who live in meekness and and in and purity. And so it couldn't be any more clear what Paul was trying to say to Timothy. He says, you are running as fast as you can from the things of this world, and you're running as fast as you can to the things of God. You know, Psalms 101, 6 says this, he who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. He who practiced deceit shall not. So the man of God is known by what he flees from and what he follows. Paul also said this in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I beat my body to bring it into subjection. Literally the word that he uses there is translated buffet in the English, but it means to strike with a fist in the face. In other words, I give a knockout to my body to, to put it into subjection into the things of God. Now here's a crazy story. There is a badge of barony in the history of Ireland called the Red Hand of O'Neill. Now, O'Neill was this ancient family uh, in Ireland. And so there was this time, and they have this badge of barony called the Red Hand of O'Neill, right? So there was this time when Ireland wasn't fully occupied. And so they gave this order that said that whoever, whoever's hand was on the land first could occupy the land. And so people got in these boats and they began to row fast and furious to get to the land. Now, O'Neill was in his boat and he was rowing and he realized that a rival boat was ahead of him and they were going to get to the land before him. So you know what he did? He took out a battle ax, cut off his hand and threw it on the land <laughs> so that his hand would be the first on shore. So his family got to occupy that part of Ireland. Now you say, well, that's just crazy. That seems like 
a lot. And it is. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said that if you that if your eye sins, gouge it out. If your hand sins, cut it off. What are you willing to do to put your body in subjection or or what to run after the things that God has called you to run after? And then the third thing that we see is that Mark's a man of God is what he fights for. So in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, this is what Paul says. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so this is where I've said this comes all into full circle. So he's told him, look, you got to know who you are. And now he's telling him, fight the good fight of faith, which is what we saw in chapter one. Now, the word here that that Paul that is used is uh, agonizomoi, which is derived from the word agon, which has to do with competition in, a, in athletic games. In other words, it is the agony of defeat. And anybody old enough can remember the old wide world of sports, ABC wide world of sports. It opened up and it was the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And as they said that, you saw this skier come flying off of a ski jump and slam into a wall. It was very painful to watch. But we don't want to worry about the agony of defeat. We want to, we want to focus on the thrill of victory. And so successful competitors actually don't worry about defeat. They always worry about winning instead. And you should know this, that in the days of the New Testament, the Greek, Greek boxers had fur-lined gloves. And there, were just a, there was just a little bit of fur and some leather, and there was no padding. And it were made out of oxide. And you know what they would do? They would put in the knuckles lead and iron. And so they stitched those gloves together. And when Paul talks about fighting, when the good fight, this is kind of one of the things he has in mind. And a, bo a Greek boxing match where they're just basically blooding one another. And you know what would happen in, a, in, in that match? The loser would have his eyes gouged out as a, as a symbol of his failure. So Paul's urging Timothy, you want to fight to win. You need to continue in his presence. You need to be on the team, to persevere in the face of opposition, to take your lumps, but make sure that you always come out on top. And then lastly, a man of God is known for what he is faithful to. Look what Paul writes to Timothy in verses 13 through 16. He says, in the sight of God who gives life to everything, and in Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. So first, what Paul does is he reminds Timothy that God is the source of everything. And then he says, I want you to keep this command. Well, what command? Well, the command is this. It's simply this. 
keep the command. <laughs> What's the command? It is the all revealed scripture. It is you keep everything that you see in the word of God. In other words, a man of God is faithful to the truth. He understands spiritual war. He understands that there's a kingdom of darkness that doesn't let go of its captives very easily. He understands that it's a lifelong battle and that you have to continue. It's not always comfortable. And sometimes it disconnects, you gotta disconnect from the world, that, that, that you pay a price of sacrifice for of being a man of God or a soldier in the kingdom of God, that you're gonna get wounded in the fray, that it's not always going to be fun, but there's victory in the end. So as, as his letter comes to a close, Paul brings it full circle. So the question I have for you today is this, are you a man or a woman of God? What marks your life? Is it what you run from, what you run to, what you fight for, and what you're faithful to? Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.